You're listening to Halfway There, Honest Conversations with Ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. This is episode number 147, Patrick Myers and the Kind Initiator. Welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm your host, as always, Eric Nevins. Happy to be here with you and excited to share with you this episode. It's going to be a really good one. Um, Man, if you uh, aren't sure if God speaks to you today, uh, this one's going to stretch you just a little bit because my friend... Uh, is going to tell you several stories that I think you'll 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 wonder about, right? You'll want to you want to think about. Okay, before we get into that though, I did just want to say hey, thanks a lot to those of you who have supported us on Patreon. Uh, the other day, I dropped a short episode uh, of a clip from one of the bonuses that you can get if you sign up for Patreon to help support the show. The show uh, can only keep going if you guys uh, do show up. If you enjoy it. If you like the show, um, if you listen every week, would you consider just joining us on Patreon? It's as little as $5 a month. It's not that much. And uh, you can get a free extra conversation, including the one that I just posted uh, yesterday about, um, about well, with Keith Giles, about the Bible and the difference between following the Bible and following Jesus. It's an interesting conversation. Let's get into our episode. Our episode today is with my friend, Patrick Myers. Patrick is a spiritual director, a counselor, and a coach. He does inner healing ministry, and he helps people experience the power of God. And that's what I love about him. He's going to talk to us all about how God has initiated relationship with him over and over and over again in his life. If you are hungry, if you're thirsty for experiencing God, this is an episode that is for you because you're going to hear exactly how God has worked in Patrick's life. And, and here's the thing at the end, uh, if that's how you're, how you, if that's what you long for, you want to experience God, you want to have an intimate relationship with him, uh, just ask, just ask, because all you have to do is ask and be open to what it is that God wants to do. I think his story is going to show us that. All right. So let's, let's listen to Patrick. Here is my conversation with my friend, Patrick Myers. Patrick, welcome to Halfway There. Thank you, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here today. I am so glad to have you here. been looking forward to it for a long time. Um, and... Uh, probably almost from the first time we met, I thought, well, I bet Patrick has a really interesting story I'd love to share on the show. And here you are. So I'm glad you're you're here. Why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, kind of who you are and what you're doing right now? Uh, sure. You know, I, honestly, I never know how to answer those questions, but um, I'm a five on the Enneagram, by the way. I know we've talked about that yeah. many times. And for anybody that's listening, that un- maybe they'll understand that. Maybe they won't. But um Right now, I'm, I'm uh, I, I do my work through Vector Ministries. It's an organization that I founded. I'm the director of Vector Ministries, and what I do is I, I help people experience more of God's presence and power in their lives through coaching, counseling, and spiritual direction. Uh, it's something that's really grown out of my own 
not just my own passions, but my own experience with God, my own walking through the spiritual journey. Yeah, and we've spent a lot of time talking about how you got there, and I can't wait to share some of that with our friends here listening. So we'll dive into that, um, and we're also, you know, we're, and we'll we'll get here, we'll get here. But we're also, I said, we're business partners. We're working on something uh, for spiritual directors that we're calling the business of soul care um, together because we see that there is such a need, right? There is, yeah, and not just for spiritual directors, but yeah. uh, for people that are doing. Yeah, God's work, kingdom, kingdom enterprises that don't have a place in the the local church. Right, which there are many. We don't always think there about them, but uh, yeah. So we'll talk about that, I'm sure, eventually as well. So let's talk about your story. Um, let's go back. So, so tell us about growing up and uh, kind of what that climate was like for you up until you you met found Jesus. Sure. Um, it could be a long story, but I'll, I'll try to keep this brief here. I, I, I like to tell people that I was raised by wolves, and uh, <laughs> that usually gets a, a grin and a chuckle. But I, I kind of mean it in a in a serious way. It's not so much a joke, but I grew up in a really a very traumatic um, childhood. I mean, it was just very traumatic. A lot of a lot of uh, abuse, a lot of neglect, um, and I, I found myself kind of on my own at an early age. I remember as as early as five years old, I had a key to the house. I'd let myself in after kindergarten. Uh, I'd make a snack. Sometimes I'd make dinner. I'd uh, put myself to bed and get up in the morning. And so it was really kind of on my own at an early age. And um, as you can probably imagine, a kid that's on his own and has a lot to uh, recover from and process is probably going to be into some risky behaviors when they get older. And so as a teenager, I really started acting out. I found uh, drugs and alcohol and really I lived kind of a street kid lifestyle where I stayed out all night and I'd kind of wake up in strange places the next day, not know how I got there. Um, it was it was pretty wild, scary, dark time. And um, in the middle of that, God... God found me and began to set me on a different path. And I got kind of got out of that lifestyle pretty early at 16. And I had a, some radical encounters with, uh, with God. I didn't recognize them for, you know, I didn't recognize them for what they were. They're mostly brick walls he put in my path. But looking back, I, I see those mm. as his hand of grace. Yeah. Okay. That, which is an interesting way to put it. You also, I know that you had, um, an interesting encounter with God when you were in church. How old were you when you had that, when God kind of told you you'd be helping people? Oh yeah. Yeah. So that happened when I was 11. Uh, so let me back up just a little bit in, in the middle of my childhood there, this, uh, this Southern Baptist church started sending buses out to my neighborhood. It was kind of a, a low income housing neighborhood and the buses would pull up to the, you know, somebody's house and the parents would kind of shove their kid out the door on a Sunday morning and send them to church. It was like free babysitting. And, uh, so my, my parents would kick me and my little brother out of the house and the church would take us, uh, the church bus would take us to the church. And, um, it was, uh, it wasn't really something I enjoyed at all, but I did get some exposure to church at that age. And so one day I'm, I'm there when I'm 11 and I, 
I had $16 in my pocket. It was the most money that I'd ever had as a kid. And uh, the sermon was really hidden home, it was really driving home some uh, tithing and fundraising. Like they must have been doing a building project or something because they were just hammering, <laughs> hammering, hammering people for money. And I, I just – I remember feeling so guilty uh, that I didn't want to give the money when they passed the plate, right? I mean it was, it was the most money I'd ever had. I never had an opportunity to spend you know, $16 on myself. I don't remember what I was going to get, probably He-Man or G.I. Joe's or something. But I was really excited, and then here the church comes along full of this shame and guilting me, really put laying on a guilt trip to get money. And, and maybe that's not what they were doing, but that was, that was definitely my experience of it. So – I leave the sermon. I decided to keep my money. I leave the sermon and I walk out just struggling. And I I started to pray and ask God, do you really want my $16? Do you really want all the money that I have? And I tell you, I, I heard him as clear as day in my heart say, no, what I want is you. I want your heart. And I saw this, I, I guess you'd call it a vision. Like I just saw this picture in front of me of me at the the head of a large auditorium full of people. And he said, I'm going to use you to help a lot of people. And so I, I studied this scene. I was 11 years old. I saw it and I've, I just, no, I didn't want any part of it. I was like, I, I don't want your people. I don't want to help it. I want my 16 bucks and I want you to leave me alone. And that was, uh, that's how that went. Yeah, were you scared by the by the vision? Were you like, what did you think? What was it that made you go, no way? You know, in all honesty, I think I I was fed up with people at that point. Like mm. I I had a really troubled childhood. I I was just done. I think yeah. I wanted my independence from I wanted my independence from humanity. Truthfully, mm. yeah, people weren't safe. It sounds like right. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So, but that was sort of a, it was a really important moment in your life and it would come back later. So, uh, thanks for sharing that. So you, um, all right. So you, so you had that experience and then you were talking about you were 16. God started to get a hold of you. So how'd that happen? Uh, like I said, it mostly happened through brick walls. So after that experience when I was 11, where I I told God, I don't want anything to do with this. I, I quickly, uh, immerse myself in drugs and alcohol. It didn't, it didn't take very long at all. And in fact, it started immediately. Um, and that's, you know, there's some crazy stories there, but uh, I don't want to kind of derail our discussion. But when I was 16, I basically just kept hitting brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. And God was, uh, trying to slow me down from that path of self-destruction. I, I ended up in a, you know, just a handful of institutions, uh, related to, drinking and um, all this stuff. And one day I'm, I'm sitting outside um, kind of contemplating what my next move was. And I remember this ray of light burst through the clouds and it kind of shined down on the, the table that I was in that. And I, I took that as a sign that, that God was there and he was inviting me to have a conversation with him. And so I started to look at my circumstances as maybe an opportunity for a change. And I wouldn't say that any big epiphany kind of hit me at that point, but it opened up hmm. it opened up a return to that path that I'd said no to a few years earlier. 
Yeah, which is interesting, right? Because sometimes we think of God if we just don't, if we miss an opportunity, to right? That then he's going to yeah. give up on us. And he certainly hasn't given up on me. Right. Right. And he pursued you. That's, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Okay. So what would go on from there? So you, you eventually, you gave up alcohol altogether. I did. Yeah. So I got into, I got into some uh, recovery programs, some 12 step recovery programs, which introduced me to, to God in a much more general sense. Uh, God is a higher power. And I began a relationship with him before I really even knew who he was, right? But I, I began to talk to him. I began to notice his movements in my life. I began to really put my faith in him and experience this, just a whole new world, right? Just a whole new world where I saw God come through for me and teach me and, and guide me. And it was it's interesting looking back on that, that I, d- I didn't know Jesus at that point in time, you know, but uh I knew God is uh, in a much more general sense. You see that in the in the Bible. You see God fears, right? They don't necess- they're not necessarily a part of the the people of God. They may not know Jesus, but um, God's still active in their lives. Like it's a story of, I think his name's Cornelius that Peter goes to and and leads to Jesus. But God had sent angels to instruct Peter to go and do this. It's it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, God seems to do those things, even like uh, the Ethiopian, right? Who's who's uh, yeah. with Philip, who's writing along, reading the scripture, trying to figure it out, trying to pu- he's puzzling over it, and God sends him somebody. Um, because God knows, and this actually happens today quite a bit more than we I think we know. Um, there are a lot of people who are they're hungry, they're thirsty for God. And it sounds like that was you. Yeah. Looking back, I can say that at the time I wouldn't have known that. Sure, right? of course. I mean, I, I wouldn't have known that that's what that was. But I, I've definitely experienced God as the initiator of every major event in my life. Like He initiated every major breakthrough, hmm. uh, which is kind of funny because sometimes you really wrestle with: Is He going to come through? Is He dependable? Am I making the right choices? But in all honesty, when I look back, every good thing was something that He initiated and set the ball rolling. Nice. Okay. So, um, you ended up going into the military. I did. Yeah. For a while. So I got, I got my life on, on track. Uh, I did come to know Jesus. Uh, when I was 23, I had, uh, I came to know him. I gave my life to Jesus and, uh, it was, what was that like? Take us into that. <laughs> it was, um, I think for a while I, I began wrestling with, um, I needed to be able to trust God more than I was. Uh, I needed to be able to trust him with some deep stuff in my heart. And the the general idea of God as a higher power wasn't working for me. So I, I started to ask him, like, are you, who are you? And I would mm. just pray that, like, could you show me truth? Like, who are you? <laughs> and I, in all honesty, I did not expect that to take me back to church. I uh, had kind of given up on Christianity. Uh, I, I had explored Buddhism. I thought maybe there might be something to Islam. Uh, I was drawn to other ways, but this nagging, this nagging feeling that I should go back to church was there. I, I agreed to go back to church to sort of finally dismiss it once and for all, like to listen to what it had to say and just write it off and move on to the next religion. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. So, so, I asked a friend to take me to church with them, and 
the sermon was like word for word exactly what I needed to hear. It was like God speaking through this man to me. So that surprised me. I kind of expected to, to be able to write church off that day. I thought, well, uh, I, I guess I have to come back next week and explore this matter a little further. And the same thing happened. It was like God speaking directly to me. So then I, I had to come back the next week. You know, and on week three, I thought, well, Christianity isn't going to be as easy to write off as I thought. Mm-hmm. This certainly wasn't the experience I had when I was a kid. Um, and, you know, it's funny there. I don't know if the message was honestly any different. Maybe I was in a different place to receive it, or maybe it was a different message altogether. But my experience of Christianity at, at 23 and at 11 was was just vastly different. Um, and here it was like God was, instead of God trying to take from me, I got this impression that God was inviting me into more than I had known, right? Like, um, when the when the children enter the wardrobe and go to Narnia in C.S. Lewis's story, there's this whole world on the other side of this door that, that was unimaginable. And I started to get that sense with church, with Christianity, that from the outside, it looks so small and diminishing. But through this door of opportunity, there seemed like there was just a whole new world available to me, like vistas that I couldn't possibly contemplate from where I was. That is super fascinating. I love what you said about um, God was inviting you in, right? He was inviting yeah. you into this conversation. And uh, anyway, I, that that just is what an opportunity. I just love that you took it. How fascinating that uh, kind of God was God has been chasing you down for a long time, and mm-hmm. uh, and he you you finally found him there. So how did you did you ever like have uh, experience? where you just like gave your life to him or was it just sort of a gradual thing? I I did have an experience. It gradually, it became more and more um, just harder to dismiss. And uh, I remember I called the church kind of in a panic. I was like, I need to talk to somebody now. Like I need to sort through this. And they didn't have a for that. They didn't know what to do. They're like, we can schedule you with a pastor like in three weeks a day. Um, so I just I went to the church. Is it a really big church, kind of a mega church? And I'm like, you need to send somebody to talk to me today. I told the secretary that, and they didn't know what to do. Um, one of the pastors came out and gave me uh, a book. Um, the case, it was the Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Yeah, and he's like, here, why don't you read this and let's talk in a couple weeks. And I, I felt like he was blowing me off, but I, I took it home and I read it. I devoured it. Um, and as I read that. I, I saw that Christianity was um, not only plausible, but it, it made more sense than what I had believed before that. And at the end of his book, he, um, he, he I think he paraphrased, he might quote C.S. Lewis where he gives this, um, you know, the conundrum where Christ is either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. Um, when I went through that and I read that, it really struck me that I had to make a decision on who who Jesus was or who Jesus is to me, right? Either he was a liar, he wasn't the guy he said he was, or he was crazy going around saying that he's God, or he really was God. Right. So I decided, well, I, I think I believe that he was God. And to me, this seemed like I was entering into, I, I really thought maybe I was going crazy that I was final, that I was actually believing Christianity. But I, I got down on my knees and I said, um, screw it. I'm in. (laughs) 
and that was my sinner's prayer. Actually, I said it a little bit more. Uh, there was a different word, but you know, you get the picture. Um, <laughs> Which I love. And I was like, you know, just f it, I'm in. Um, and immediately, I tell you what, immediately I felt something shift. I just felt this darkness lift off of me in the room, and I felt lighter. And I thought maybe I really am going crazy. Um, and over the next two weeks, I noticed that I was different. I was reacting different to the people around me, that my thoughts were, um, were calmer. Um, I was able to see my life a little bit more objectively, not so ruled by my emotions. And I just felt different. And it was the kind of thing that I didn't want to tell anybody because I was still sorting it out and processing it. And I was kind of afraid I would lose it. So <laughs> I didn't, I didn't say anything. But after a couple of weeks, people started to notice I was different, and they started hmm. to ask me what was going on. What, like, what did people notice was different? I think they just noticed the way that I reacted was different, and there was a, a calmness. A few people commented that my eyes were different, that there was something in my eyes that wasn't there before. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I took it all as a sign that something good had happened, although I, I, I just didn't have a grid to process that. Right, you didn't have the, you didn't have the, yeah, the ideas and kind of the understanding of what, what might have happened there. Interesting. Okay, so that's so that's a huge shift for you, right? Yeah, that was major. That set me on a, a whole different trajectory. Like I'd been on a good trajectory before that, but that just skyrocketed me. Um, and I, I ended up going to college. I, I got my degree. Um, I did go into the military. I had just a, a tremendous turnaround um, from that. Like God really called me out and called me out of kind of the, a lot of lies that I uh, believed growing up. I, I carried a lot of that baggage with me into adulthood, and he really started to just um, pull that stuff off one by one and call me into a much higher life than I, I ever thought was possible for me. Yeah, which is cool. Okay, Um so to what happens next? Cause so this, this is uh, I know that you, so you go into the military, you're there for a while and you get hurt, right? And you eventually, yeah. at least you getting out. So, uh, but you tell me where you want to go with the story. Yeah, I can, we can go there. It's um, I honestly have a hard time telling my, my kind of life story and my testimony. Cause I feel like each period of my life kind of has its own testimony. Like I could give you, yeah, I could give you five different lives, you know, and talk about what that was like to experience each one of those and have God in them. But, um, well, that's kind know, of the point. The broad... Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> the the point is that hey, we're we're experiencing Jesus in different kinds of ways, and um, you know, I want our friends listening to hear that and go, oh, okay, it's okay that I had this time when I experienced Jesus like this, and maybe it's a little different now. Um, that happens, you know, it's just kind of how life is. You know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I guess the best way to put it on what comes next is that that season after I came to know after came to know Jesus was just very exciting and full of possibilities and everything was on this upward trajectory. Like life seemed full of so much more promise than I ever imagined, right? So just good things are happening, lots of good things and I feel like God's just continually daring me to try more, to try bigger, to go, you know, go for broke. And I felt him call me into the Marine Corps. I really felt like that's where he was leading me. Uh, and a variety of things kind of um, 
led me to that conclusion. And a lot of people poured, you know, gave their two cents. And it just seemed very much like that's where God was calling me. I was very confident in that. And um, he made it possible to do that, like uh, was able to drop some weight, was able to get in shape, was able to to get in, like all these different things he put in place for me to do that. And uh, when I joined the Marine Corps, things were very, very promising. It looked like I was on track to get promoted and, and go to officer candidate school. I'd enlisted. Uh, I got married to my fiance. Um, it just, things were really good. Um, went to my new unit, really I, I liked it. It was in Southern California and things just, um, like I said, just full of promise. And then all of a sudden they seemed to fall apart overnight. I, I got injured running one day. I loved running by the way. I just, I loved running in the hills and camp Pendleton with my unit it was one of my favorite activities and we're running. And one day I'd, I feel a pop in my, in my hip area. I wasn't sure what happened. And, um, went to the, went to the, went to the doctor, nothing, they couldn't find anything. They're like, yeah, just, you know, I said, you'll be all right. Um, but this pain came upon me. It just lingered. It never went away. And it was this constant nagging pain. And then I ended up, but it, what had happened is I'd torn the, the cartilage and the muscle, um, the hip flexor on my left side. And, um, it, as I tried to learn to like walk with that pain and do that and run with that pain, uh, I ended up doing the same thing to the other side. I tore the the muscle and the, the psoas muscle and the cartilage on my right side. And then my knees kind of gave out and I just had this like cascade. It was, it was so bizarre. Like all of a sudden overnight, like all this stuff went wrong and I, I was in really good shape. I was, um, had a first class PFT physical fitness test. I was, I was in better shape than guys that were several years younger than me. I was really, I was loving it, man. I was loving getting up and exercising with the unit in the morning. It was my favorite thing about the Marine Corps was the, the camaraderie we had doing uh, physical fitness in the morning. And all of a sudden that just fell apart. And I, these other symptoms started to creep in out of nowhere. Um, I started getting migraine headaches, uh, chronic fatigue and pain. It, it felt like I got the flu and it never went away. Like I had it every day, all day long. Um, then later I started to get, uh, tremors and muscle spasms. Um, I got like just this confusion w would come upon me sometimes. Like I'd have a hard time thinking and being able to finish my sentences. Um, yeah, just, just widespread pain that, um, never went away. It was just constant. It was always there. It, it, um, it was maddening really that it just never, it never went away. Sometimes it would go down, but it never stopped. Yeah. That sounds scary. It, it was incredibly scary and, um, nobody could help. Like we, I went to several doctors. Um, they didn't know what to do. They'd pass you around to the next one and pass you around to the next one. In the middle of this, I'm still a Marine, right? I'm still a Marine. I'm still trying to do my job and they're not the most understanding people. <laughs> what? Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's a shocker, right? And especially when you don't have like a, a physical thing that they can look at, right? Like if you, you know, if you lost a limb or, or had some kind of disfiguring thing, then there's a sense of compassion. But when there's like, we don't know what's wrong with you, um, we kind of think you might be faking this. Um, so it, it became this this time where all these good things were happening, and all of a sudden all these bad things are happening. The Marine Corps kind of cast me off to the side and they treated me like a, you know, 
a pariah, a scumbag. They use much harsher terms than that. <laughs> um, my marriage started to fall apart. Um, my hope, my faith, um, my friendships, it basically, my whole world got really small and really painful. And everything, I just started, everything came unraveled um, overnight. And I just, I couldn't understand what was happening to me. And I couldn't, I, I couldn't get God to stop it. Right. I couldn't get him to change yeah. it. Um, right. So a lot of doc, a lot of doctors told me there's nothing we can do for you. Please go away. Um, I finally got diagnosed as, uh, having fibromyalgia, uh, migraine headaches and a, a couple other diagnoses. Um, those didn't really help or stop the situation, but they at least put a name to it and, um, got the Marine Corps off my back. Right. So, Eventually, though, I know that God um, kind of healed these things for you. Yeah. Tell, tell us that story. So this um, this season went on for much longer than uh, than I expected. It went on for several years. Um, it was about four years long, and then finally the the Marine Corps discharged me. They gave me a medical discharge. Um, with a pretty high rating of disability. Um, I was, I was just a mess. And then my, my wife, uh, was divorcing me and the Marine Corps was discharging me and I was disabled. And then I kind of washed up here on the shores of Colorado, um, in just a terrible, terrible place, just a great depression. And it was, um, it was winter here and it was like a cold winter. And I just come from Southern California and it was, uh, it was just so bad. It was so miserable. I tell you what, and I, I got here like right, uh, right before Christmas. And then on Christmas, um, uh, somebody broke into my car and stole some stuff and I'm, you know, I'm too broke to, um, uh, be able to afford Christmas presents for my son and all this stuff's going wrong. And I'm going, God, you have really failed me. You know, mm. like here I was, everything was going great. And I trusted you. I trusted you and took this leap of faith and, uh, it was a disaster. And now I, I just utterly felt abandoned by God, like a complete desolation. Um, what I didn't know was that that actually was a purging that had stripped me of so many things that um, allowed allowed me to be more receptive to what he was about to do next. Okay, yes, so, which is a really nice setup. So go, tell us what he did next. So I'm, I'm miserable. And I'm angry at God, and um, but I, I want to connect to Him because in this in this season, He's the only thing I have left, right? Like everything else is gone, everything else is a bitter taste in my mouth. But um, but I I love God, and I want to connect to Him. And so one night I I sit down by my fireplace in the winter. It was um, I think it was January of thirteen, um, and I'm, I'm just racked by waves of pain, like they just they never stop. They just keep hitting me. But I, I want to pray. I want to talk to God, do some Bible study or something. The only reason, the only way I really knew how to connect to him was through books and, you know, asking him for stuff, right? Prayers of petition. Yep. But I, I sat down by my fireplace and I, I said, God, um, I'd really like to connect to you, but I don't know how, like, if you're going to, if you want to talk to me, you're going to have to do something. And I just kind of laid down and tried not to, um, despair as this just pain waves of pain swept over me and my mind started to go to a dark place. And
and I, I pushed that aside and I was like, you know what? I just feel like I'm being kicked while I'm down. And then my mind started to drift back to that same place. And I, I, I tried to resist it again. And then I heard this thought that there was something like, you asked God to guide this time. Why don't you let him? And I thought, okay, maybe this dark place is actually where he wants me to go. So I entered it with him. Um, and what comes next? Um, I don't know. Maybe a little hard to believe for some people. It was certainly hard to believe for me experiencing it. But what I saw was sort of a, a scene from my life, a memory from when I was younger. And Jesus was there with me. And he and I were standing off to the side observing, observing the scene. And he said, do you remember this? And I said, yes, I do. And he said, um, do you remember what happened? And I was like, yeah, I, I remember what happened. And then he asked me, do you remember what you believed? And I said, no, I, I have no idea what I believed. And he be, he told me, he's like, this is what you believed as a result of this situation. Do you want to still believe that? And I was like, no, let's get rid of that, right? Like, I want whatever's true. And he walked me through this series of events. And honestly, most of them seemed very benign to me. They weren't like, you know, big, the big traumas. They were right. relatively normal, everyday experiences. But I wrongly believed things as a result of them. Yeah. And he walked me through these and said, hey, do you want to let go of these ideas? And yeah. out of that... Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you. I think you told me that before, that it was kind of, you were surprised by that whole thing where it wasn't like the big events that you would think about. It was little things that happened right. that kind of made you go, oh, I had no idea that I had believed something there um, that happened. Anyway, so you, you were saying that this happened a lot, right? This happened over and over again. Yeah, it did. It happened over and over again. And that dark season began to slowly transform. Um uh, from the inside out, right? And I would have these experiences with Jesus almost on a nightly basis for quite some time. And as a result of them, I started to feel better physically. Like um, some of my symptoms would kind of dissipate. And slowly, I found that I was stronger and healthier and had a lot more hope than I did at the beginning of the year. And gradually, I, I began to just recover. And as I went to the, you know, as I go to the doctor, I check in with my doctor at the VA, they, they were quite surprised, you know, that several, several doctors had told me there's, there's absolutely nothing we can do for you. And their suggestion was to take muscle relaxers and uh, marijuana and just kind of <laughs> give into the, you know, give into it. Since you're in Colorado. I, yeah. Well, that was before, you know, and, um, when military physicians tell you to smoke weed, it's, uh, that's a no-no. <laughs> That's bad you know, news. So it was like, you're not supposed to tell me that. You're not able to tell me that. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, I just, I had some miraculous recovery. And um, I'd say now I'm at a place where I'm not completely recovered. Like today I'm having some, uh, you know, some chronic symptoms kind of come back, a little, um, little experience of that. But for the most part, I'm able to do stuff that just were not, was not even possible to me several years ago, right? Like it just looked like my world had gotten so small. So out of that, I ended up, um, I started seminary. I decided to trust God again, even though the last time didn't go so well for me. I, uh, I was willing to trust him again. And I started seminary thinking, 
that this probably wasn't going to work out. I didn't think I was the right kind of guy for seminary. Um, you know, the, the background that I had coming out of the military, just didn't think she was a good fit. And I was, um, I was absolutely petrified. This is kind of funny, but my biggest fear about seminary was that I would cuss in class. Like I'd drop an F-bomb. Like I was just <laughs> utterly paralyzed by that one. <laughs> uh, you don't want to be that guy. Yeah. So I just, I figured, you know, after, after a, <laughs> a semester or two, like they would realize I wasn't the right fit. God would realize he was wrong and, uh, we'd go on a different path. But, um, in seminary, I learned about the dark night of the soul and I learned about the spiritual journey. And I realized that's exactly what I had gone through. I'd gone through a, a very long season of a dark night of the soul where God had, allowed all of the stuff of my life to be stripped away from me so that he could build a new foundation. So you, so you go to school, you do this, uh, you start learning about the spiritual journey and you learn about the dark night of soul and you can clearly see, oh, I've been through that. Yeah. Yeah. So what was yeah. that? What was that realization like? It was surreal. I think uh, in some ways, like it, it was very helpful to know like there's a name for this and like it isn't, it isn't um, utterly unusual. Like I really felt like I was some, experiencing something that no one else had. I was all alone. It was hopeless. But here it was showing me this is actually kind of a normal part of Christianity, of the Christian life. And I was one of many who'd gone through this experience, right? And that it wasn't the end. Like God did not design that wilderness experience to be the end of the journey, right? And even for the Israelites, they didn't go into the wilderness. and They weren't meant to stay there. They were meant to pass through it onto the promised land. And so that dark night of the soul for me, here it was, I thought my life was over. And it seemed like God was going, no, it, it really hasn't even begun yet, which was surreal and awesome and humbling at the same time. Like, I think I took some, I don't know, I, I think when you go through a devastating experience like that, you take some ownership. You kind of own on own your pain and hold on to it longer than you need to sometimes. And so knowing that this dark night of the soul was a part of a process um, kind of forced me to ask myself the question, did I want to let go of that pain? Did I actually want to come out of the wilderness? Yeah. So you said earlier that you, they felt like God was kind of bringing these things out of you. Like he was, he was pulling, he was using the dark night to kind of take, take some stuff out of you. What was looking back now, what do you think he was he was kind of pulling, pulling from you. I think the biggest one was self-reliance. Um, mm, yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, you just, I grew up in ways that caused me to have to depend on myself and feel like I was on my own. And, um, that had become so hardwired in me that that, I think that was the biggest one God was taking out of me and, and learning to trust him in, in deep heart level ways. Like, it's, it was easy to trust him in like some of the externals of my life or even like, you know, trust him with joining the military or, or seminary, but it was much harder to be vulnerable on an emotional level. So those kinds of things were really big in that season. But, you know, the dark night of the soul or those wilderness experiences don't just purge us of things that are, you know, bad. Um, they actually kind of strip us of things that are good that will still get in the way of what God wants to do in our lives. Right. And so he's really faithful to take those things out. Yeah. Right. Which is the part of the point. 
Um, I love that. Okay. So you're in school or eventually you, you graduate school. I don't know if, uh, you know, I know you meet your wife in school, Emily, and uh, I don't know yeah. how, how much you want to talk about that, but that was kind of a cool story. <laughs> you're inviting me to tell a story. I am yeah, inviting so you to that, tell that story. That, that whole season um, that got kicked off in seminary was so redemptive. Uh, seminary was just such a great time for me because uh after the, the the deep purging, all this stuff, God started to fill it, and just lots of promise, lots of hope, and and pretty early on, I, I met my wife Emily. Um, it was it was a cool experience. I I began to hear God's voice um, a lot more often. The more time I spent with Him, the more I opened myself up to meeting Him in these ways that I was totally unfamiliar with. Right, like getting getting visions, getting hearing His voice, uh, going through these memories were not at all something I had a grid for. Um, in fact, my my undergraduate Bible education was pretty clear to tell me that those things did not exist, right? <laughs> right. As a cessationist school. I uh, came to faith in a cessationist church. So these things didn't exist. And the church I was going to at the time here in Colorado had no grid for that. I went and talked to the pastor, and he said, these things that you're experiencing are absolutely true. You're not crazy. I don't have any clue what to tell you. I don't know what to do with this stuff. <laughs> oh, man. So, it was basically like, thumbs up, go away. That's encouraging. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, so I ended up going to a different church just to kind of get language because I, I didn't even know what to call this stuff. I didn't, I didn't have any idea. But anyway, so I, I'm growing in my ability to to just hear from the Lord. And one day I wake up to God saying, "I've got somebody I want you to meet today." And I'm like, "Okay, tell me more." And that was it. But He kept saying it, you know. And I got up and I showered and I kept hearing it. And I, I went to school and I kept hearing it. I did you know, my day. And I just kept hearing, I've got somebody I want you to meet today. I got somebody I want you to meet today. And I'm, I'm starting to actually get kind of annoyed, right? Cause he just keeps saying it, but he won't <laughs> give me any more information. <laughs> like, like God's but, really excited about it. Yeah. But it's just, he, <laughs> I love that. Could, could you give me more details here, please? And mm -hmm. so I ended up going to the mall and I, I, I bought like a new shirt and vest cause uh, obviously it was important. So I wanted to look nice for whoever I was going <laughs> to meet. I, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to meet my wife or anything like that. I just, it was obviously, you know, some kind of God uh, uh, ordained appointment and I, I didn't know what I was walking into, but nothing seemed to happen, you know, and all day I was, I was watching for it when I was out at the gas station, when I was at school, when I was w taking a walk, I was waiting for this divine appointment, nothing happened. And I go home and I'm thinking, well, maybe I heard wrong or maybe that's not God's voice. And it just kept going. I, I've got somebody I want you to meet today. I've got somebody I want you to meet today. And it was driving me crazy. So I I started to like call friends. It was a Friday night to see if anything was going on, like if anybody was doing anything. And nobody really was. Um, one friend was having a small get-together and said, hey, why don't you come on by? So I, I went over to their place. Uh, there were some girls from seminary. They're having a, a few people over at their uh, seminary apartment there. And I'm hanging out for a little while. And then in walks this woman, um, Emily, who's just beautiful. And she's got this kind of shine about her that I can tell she's kind of, she's kind of highlighted spiritually. It just feels like she's been highlighted. Like that's the person I'm supposed to meet today. But even though she was beautiful, I, I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't really thinking about her in terms of like somebody to date or something like that. I just, I knew that this was a God conversation. Um, so we just, I started talking to her and I, <laughs> she, I gotta say she, um, she just wasn't really that into me. <laughs> so it's, oh, no. it's kind of funny, but she, she has her own version of the story where God kind of uh, did not allow her to go home and relax 
uh, he kind of forced her out of the house too. As it turns out, she was getting, trying to get in her PJs and watch TV. And for some odd reason, the TV wouldn't work. And her roommate kept calling her and saying, you got to come over to this place and hang out with people. You got to get out of the house. And she was like, nah, I'm going to watch TV. But when the TV didn't work, I kind of ruined her plans and she relented. She's like, all right, I'll go. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. And, uh, we'd never seen each other before, but after that, it seemed like everywhere we went, we just ran into each other. So for like the next two weeks, I just saw her every day. Until, uh, <laughs> of course you did. Finally, finally, we're like, okay, we got to, you know, let's go get a cup of coffee. It's funny. This is funny too. I, I didn't ask. I wasn't going to ask her out to coffee. I um, We were talking, and the word just sort of slipped out of my mouth. Like, hey, you want to go grab a cup of coffee? And she intended to say no, but she yes. Those The word yes just kind of came out of her mouth, and it was like we're both kind of staring at each other like, what just happened? Um, but we went and got dinner, and dinner turned into a long drive. And um, a couple months later, we got engaged. It was um, – it was totally God's initiation, like we said earlier. Like he, every good thing he he initiated. You know, I wasn't I wasn't looking for her. She wasn't looking for me. Um, in fact, we were really trying very hard to go the other direction, and um, God brought us together. Was, I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, yeah. Which is it's an amazing story, right? It's, so what I love about you, uh, Patrick, is that you. Um, like you're teaching me. So this is, this is just we let our friends into our, our relationship here. Cause you have this such intimate relationship with God where he speaks to you and he leads you. And, um, I've always longed for that, but, uh, never really know anybody who took it seriously enough. You know what I mean? And, yeah. uh, so I appreciate that. I, I love hearing stories like, like these, I, there are, there are maybe a few moments in my life. I can, I can see similar ones, but, um, I just love the way that you just have, you have a million of them, you know, and, uh, God is clearly at work in your life, uh, you know, leading, leading you. So tell me, so I'm, I want to, cause I want to get up to what you do now. So eventually you graduate from seminary, um, you with a very lucrative, lucrative degree called uh, a master's <laughs> of Christian formation. Right. Uh, so that kind of then is a whole nother experience with, with the Lord, right? Yeah, that that goes a different that goes another direction here. Um, but as I said, seminary was just a fantastic experience for me. I, I, it was very healing, very redeeming, very very much like a spiritual springtime where you know all these things that had gone dormant over the winter, like suddenly were were budding and blossoming with new life. It was just it was very exciting, and um, I got to to use the GI Bill. I I got every dollar out of that that I could. And I got two degrees from seminary, um, master's in uh, Christian formation and soul care and a master's in Christian studies. And then I also got a certificate in chaplaincy as well. So I got, uh, I got a lot of education. I just loved seminary. I didn't want to leave. Um, but when I finally did graduate, um, they throw you out when you graduate, they're like, <laughs> no, you have to go now. Yeah, you, yeah. No. Um, when I finally did graduate, I kind of expected to stay on that that train, that high, you know, and uh, just watch more good things unfold, which they did. They just didn't happen the way that I expected. I was very anxious when I didn't get a job right away, and I, I felt like God was asking me to wait to before I even looked for work. And 
Uh, and then I, nothing happened and nothing happened and nothing happened. <laughs> After a few months of that, um, waiting, he, um, I'm driving down the road one day and he just kind of inspires me with this, um, vision of starting vector ministries. Um, a vector is a, is like an arrow. It shows the direction that something's traveling as well as the, uh, the magnitude of its movement. So it's a symbol that kind of shows you the direction something's going, but also the significance of its journey, of its movement. And vector, when it's a verb, means to give someone a, a path or to set them on a direction. Um, it's also a, it's a term you hear a lot in the military, to give someone a vector. And so God gave me this uh, this inspiration to start Vector Ministries to help give people direction and, and guide them on their course of action, their course uh, of their journey with him. And I wasn't, I wasn't exactly really into the idea right away. Um, I was looking for more of an opportunity where I would get uh, hired on by the church that I was in or something like that. But none of those things really materialized. Uh, my wife and I did start Vector Ministries, and um, very slowly over time, I began to get a lot more clients. I began to um, actually start to make a living doing this. Um, so given minute, personal ministry like spiritual direction, inner healing, prayer, um, counseling, and coaching, are, those are all things that I've done um, for fun and for free. You know, my, my entire Christian life and actually even before that, I've, I've just helped people on their own journey through the experience and the knowledge that I've gotten walking my own. I've just tried to coach people and help them with that. And uh, it's always been something I've really enjoyed. It's definitely um, it's definitely part of what I'm gifted and called to do. So I love I love getting to do that. Um, but what Vector Ministries started out as something I thought would be more of a side thing while I kind of got a job with some other organization. But God really closed the door for me to be able to join in with other people's things and really pushed that this was what he was calling me to. And I'm really grateful for that. I'm, at first, I was very anxious that I didn't get a job with some nonprofit or with the church I was in, but um, I'm really grateful now. I see that as his grace to open me up, open up the opportunity for me to be able to do something that's unique to what he's gifted and called me to. Yeah, which I think is really cool. So you work with people who um, you know need spiritual direction or are looking for spiritual direction. Um, you do some healing prayer, which I think is so needed and uh, under understood. Is that a word? I don't think that's the right way to use that word. It's it's misunderstood. Maybe. Understood. Yeah. yeah. Uh, under understood. That's not anyway. Under understood. <laughs> All of a sudden, I turned into George Bush. But uh, oh. that, that's uh, oh. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, we have a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, but I think that's I think that's really fantastic, and it's, it's a it's a, a really good thing. You also have a heart for um, kind of helping other uh, spiritual directors and soul care practitioners. Um, we spent a lot of time talking about this because we kind of share that. Yeah. I, my, my big passion is to see people live well in the design that God has uh, called them to, to live, to live out the call that he's put on their lives and to enjoy their lives while they're doing it. So everything I do really kind of falls under that broad category of helping people to find their call, to step into that and to remove the things that are blocking them and preventing that. So inner healing prayer, inner healing counseling is just a, it's a means to the end of being able to live out your purpose and enjoy your life. And, and spiritual direction and, and coaching are also means toward that end of living well in the call that God's given you. And so 
in that way, like I, I like to help people that are also soul care practitioners and, and doing other kinds of like kingdom businesses to be able to do what they're called to do well and to be able to expand their businesses. So God's definitely given me more and more opportunities to, to coach um, in, in ministries and um, and businesses as they're starting up and as they're beginning to grow. And, and that's, yeah, that's where you and I have kind of joined forces to be able to put together the business of soul care and to work on helping other uh, soul care practitioners be able to uh, do what God has called them to do and to be sustainable doing that. Right. So that's something that we've been working on a lot and uh, we're in the process of rolling out some things to help, uh, to help um, soul care professionals do that. Um, or kind of just have, have a business, have something that they can actually do where they can practice their, their craft um, like all the time and permanently. Right. Yeah. And to make, to make a good living doing it. Right. Um, not just to limp along because there, I think there is that, that pervading idea that in order to really be effective in the kingdom, you have to starve, right? You, right. You're not able to go through life in a, in a good way, like missionaries that it, I've heard just some horrible, horrific stories, you know, missionaries that are sleeping on these flea ridden mattresses here in the United States, you know, to follow God's will. They just, they live in abject poverty. You know, it's one thing in a third world country to experience that, but it's another thing to feel like you have to do that here in in America just to be able to make an impact. Um, now, if God calls you to that, that's one thing, but to to take that on and to feel like that's as far as you can go, that's that's another thing altogether. Right, right. And I think one of the, one of the big things. So we've got uh, a whole series of videos that people will be able to find, and you can you can go check those out at businessofsoulcare.com, friends. If you're a spiritual director, you know, um, I suspect there are more than a few of you who are spiritual um, soul care or spiritual directors because I've been having plenty of them on the show recently um, because it's something I'm interested in. But uh, you, so you can go to businessofsoulcare.com and check out those videos. Um, and we also have a free Facebook group where you can, can get that. But these are conversations we're having all the time. One thing uh, we keep saying is you don't have to go it alone, right? So right. they can – so if you're a spiritual director and you're looking for a way to do it or a soul care per person, um, don't do it alone. Just find a community and uh, hopefully we have, we have that community. Maybe you found it here. So, um, Patrick, I want to let everybody know where they can find you particularly. And, um, then we will, uh, just wrap it up. So you can be found at vector ministries.org. Right. And, uh, I think you even have a you have a contact button or people can if they want to do a session with you, uh, they could do that. Um, don't you offer a free session as well? I do. Yeah, a thirty minute free consultation. Uh, talk on the phone and kind of find out more of yeah. um, people's story and uh, how might be able to help them experience more of God's uh, presence and power in their own lives. Right. I I just love sharing what He's done with me, and I I think can I just back up a second, Eric? And, yeah. And, so much of the story we, you know, we talked about some of the struggles that I've been in and, and the, the places that he's brought me out of, but I, I'm just, I'm always in awe at who he is and, and how I've gotten to know God. And I, I think it's so strange that suffering leads to that kind of, um, connection, but it, it does seem 
that suffering can be good for the soul if we let it. And out of those things, like I've just seen God to be, like I said, the great initiator, but but very kind, very friendly, very funny. Um, definitely a very witty guy. He's he's so much more open and inviting than I've ever I ever could have imagined, and even more than I can possibly understand. And I I love I love being able to help people connect to that too, to be able to experience his goodness and his power in their own lives. You know, I, yeah. I think we've all got these wounds where we feel like maybe God isn't good or if he certainly just isn't coming through for me. You know, I think we've all got places like that in our heart where we just feel like he, he didn't come through and he is willing to go there with us and, and heal those places. Mm. And that just, it blows me away. Like the humility, the graciousness, the goodness of God. And so I, my passion with Vector Ministries is just to, to help people to introduce him to people and introduce them to the goodness that I've experienced firsthand. Man, I love that. Friends, you can find Patrick, uh, like we said, at VectorMinistries.org. I've also got links at HalfwayTherePodcast.com. As always, you can find the show notes for this episode and uh, pick it up uh, or get get a link over to uh, Patrick's ministry. Uh, if you're if, if some of what he said is um, piquing an interest for you, or you're wanting to to have more of God's power in your life, um, definitely hit Patrick up. Do that free session, and uh, I think it'll be worth it for you. I, I know that uh, finding someone to walk with me was a huge uh, moment in my spiritual journey. And it might be as you're in yours as well. In fact, I know it will be. So um, be sure to do that. Patrick, thanks so much for being here, sharing a little bit of your story, brother. Um, you're a great friend, and I'm really privileged to be able to share it with us. So thanks a lot. Thank you. I, I appreciate you letting me on. And uh, I thank you for what you do, Eric. It's just so awesome that you're uh, illuminating you know, the Christians to what it's actually like to walk with God and getting to hear everybody's story. So thank you for this. Thanks, brother. Hey friends, thank you for listening today. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I have enjoyed it uh, definitely a lot. Please don't forget to go check out Patrick's uh, website, vectorministries.org. I have a link to that at the show notes at halfwaytherepodcast.com as well. I know you're out and about, but if you feel like you need spiritual direction, you would like someone to walk with you to take you into a deeper journey, maybe even through a dark night of the soul, Patrick is a guy who can do that. And I want to encourage you to reach out to him if you can. So friends, thank you so much for being here. If you haven't and you want to sign up for Patreon, I would love to have your support. And uh, it means a lot to me that you download. Um, If you want to go to the next level, let's do that. Hey, thanks a lot for being here. Uh, Until next week, keep the faith. Keep the faith.